I just want to get out of here. Every step leads to nothing. Every word I speak, I double check. Because I'm not free here. I'm the freest of all of you. But the feeling that I can't change anything won't leave. And who are you? You're asking me. Where do you belong? What do you vouch? Are you for or against? Welcome to In Between. A few months ago, an old school friend contacted me. A friend that will stay anonymous and who has been given a voice for this episode by Lisa Stali. So that friend asked me if I wanted to be a part of her final project. She had written a participative piece and wanted people who feel comfortable taking part in it for her examination show. She wrote that at that she thought of me. I was very excited because it sounded very interesting, but also I was a little bit scared or nervous because I asked her, like, do I need to dance and sing or whatever? And she said, like, no, no, don't worry. You just need to read out things. And I was like, okay, I think uh, talking, I can do that. And uh, yeah, it sounded interesting. So I was in. So I went there and when I got there, there was a very diverse group of people already waiting in front of the room. They were from all ages, from all backgrounds, so it was already quite interesting and I didn't know anyone. So most of us, I think, had no idea what my friend had in store for us, but uh, after a while she, we could enter the room, she greeted us, we put off our coats and she gave each of us a number and so we had to enter another room and like look for our number and sit down. The room was small and quite dark and there was this theater kind of light and uh, yeah then I looked for my seat and in front of every seat there was a music stand on which already there was a small booklet and the atmosphere was quite excited because most of us had no idea what's coming and uh, we're just looking forward to get started. The topic of the piece she wrote was her exchange year in Jerusalem and how she processed or illustrated it with texts, film clips and sounds. The whole thing was really very beautiful, like uh, some texts she read out, they really touched me and I was really surprised how much atmosphere can be created just with sounds, with street sounds, with recordings of singings, of talkings and uh, 
yeah, it just reminded me of my podcast a lot and the whole thing just really resonated with me. So we were sitting there in the dark and we saw all of these video clips projected on the walls. We were listening to all of these sounds and uh, eventually it was our time to participate. And it was made really brilliantly. So there were like small lights on our music stands. And uh, every time when someone had to read out from the booklet, your light of your music stand would just go, go on. And that meant that it's now your time to read. And you never really knew what's going to happen because sometimes you were reading alone, sometimes together with someone else or everybody. Sometimes you read the same at the same time. Sometimes you read different things and you never really knew when you started reading what's going to happen next or what are you going to create. But still, it felt like we all are creating something together. And I really like that because it makes you feel so much part of the piece and um, the more and more the piece went on, especially the more of her own diary texts my friend read out, um, more and more I got the feeling that this whole thing seems to be about something very similar to what's occupying me. It seems to be about in between. And it got more and more emotional, especially towards the end. And there was a very beautiful song which she had written at the end and I don't know, I just could understand her so well and her emotions and her experience and her positioning. And uh, so many questions popped into my head or things I wanted to know more about. And half through the piece, I knew I had to ask her if we could make a podcast episode together and kind of have this exchange about certain experiences and talk about it. So we did that and we created this episode with some of the original texts from her participative theater piece, uh, which we translated to English. There were parts of our own conversation, which I had with my friend in her room, which now were translated into English and are now spoken by Lisa Stadi. And uh, of course, we also have some sounds from her piece included, her beautiful song and all of it together became kind of a colorful collage that will take you to Jerusalem into this experience and uh, yeah starting with a text that was read at the very beginning of the piece actually no one really knows why I came to this country or into these countries it actually already starts here to see for oneself to learn to differentiate I grew up in a society in which standing above things or keeping the overview is more valued than taking up a clear position. I've never felt so conscious about that before, like I did in this place here, in which one has an opinion on everything. I suddenly feel like the reincarnation of Swiss neutrality. But soon I had to realize that the position of a mere observer doesn't exist, be it the store I buy my stuff in, the neighborhood I live in, or the language in which I greet people, or in the amount of agreement or disagreement I show. Every action opens certain doors for me, while simultaneously closing others. Every aspect of daily life is sensible to minimal influences. Everything becomes political. 
the text we just heard was about one having to have an opinion on everything or the way you experience that. Something which is very interesting for me already when I heard it the first time at, at your show, basically. Because in India, I can almost say I felt like I made very contrary experiences. Of course, the university where I studied was very political. But outside of this, with a lot of people, for example, that I met or spent time with during my hobbies, pursuing my hobbies or uh, similar things... Till this day, I don't know anything about their political opinion, also not about their other opinion, whenever it gets kind of difficult. And uh, certain topics were just always circumvented very strategically. And it was very difficult for me in the beginning, because I think at home I'm someone who voices her opinion very confidently. And there I had to learn that sometimes to keep up peace or to make everyone comfortable, it's better not to express one's opinion sometimes. And yeah, I felt like I needed to learn the opposite from what you needed to learn and to just not say my opinion sometimes and just leave it at that. So that's why I'm really interested to hear more about how you navigated this need to have an opinion all the time and how did you experience that? I think it wasn't even necessarily a political opinion one needed to have. Rather how one shapes one's daily life, if one reads daily life as something political, which is kind of inevitable here. And it's more about where do you live, with whom do you hang out, which language do you speak. I think from Switzerland, I'm kind of used to just living somewhere. And it might be a different city or a different neighborhood, but actually no one really cares where I live. For example, I realized that already in Switzerland, I decided where I was going to live. In Jerusalem, in neighborhood so-and-so, and that this actually already was an opinion. An opinion which some people judged or appreciated, which I was completely unaware of. And that's why at some point I felt very naive. Because of course it seems logical that in, in a place like this, everything is being read. But it was just completely new to me that my daily actions turn out to be such strong statements. So literally, the personal is political. And actually, in every aspect, in every little decision you take. Can you still remember certain examples of this? There are always these moments of lightness. Kind of when you go somewhere thinking that, okay, let's just eat a falafel. I'm anyway just a tourist. I don't belong anywhere. I'm free. And then you enter the place and the people are happy to see you. And the first question they ask you is, Israel or Palestine? And I mean... What are you going to do then? It doesn't matter what I answered. I did give an answer, but who are you in that moment? Somehow answering as well as not answering both is not good. Why do I want to see so much? Why do I personally need to descend into the abysses of humanity to assure myself that they're really that cruel? You're asking me here and there Why talk about things that are so far away? Why raise one's voice? I rather wonder how to raise one's voice when I'm being a foreign body, not part of this discourse. I believe that the place of residence really occupied me, that I was living in West Jerusalem, in the Israeli part, so to speak. I had this urge to belong somewhere. 
but I understood that I can either stay in the West and belong here or go to the Palestinian East and belong there. But actually, there's no belonging on an individual level. Somehow there seems to be no in-between, either here or there, uh, like uh, one door opens and the other one closes. It's like quite crazy. There seems to be no in-between at all, especially if you get there and you have no clue whatsoever. And yet every step you make is so meaningful or so heavy or is being read so much without you being able to really assess what's happening. I think that's exactly the point that I didn't really get in the beginning. Took certain steps, as you said, without understanding that with that certain dead ends, so to speak, open themselves up. When you realize after half a year or so that there are certain things in the city that you don't know at all, but others you know really well, then I think that's quite normal. But suddenly you notice that everything moves in tiny little circles. Because, for example, the cultural environments of the city simply do not mix. In such moments, I realized, okay, this thing back then opened this door for me while closing this other door. It also kind of made me angry at myself and at other people. Because somehow you find yourself at crossroads all the time without realizing it. And you need to make decisions because there kind of is no in-between. Or maybe I would have been a bit lonely in that in-between. It could be as well. I just wanted to belong somewhere. Sometimes I write a message and turn the display of my phone away so that my friends can't see that I have several keyboards. I don't want my Israeli friends to see my Arabic keyboard because they would either find it exciting that I speak better Arabic than they do and would ask me about nightlife in Ramallah or because they would lapse into a spy paranoia. In the case of my Palestinian friends, I'm scared of them discovering my Hebrew keyboard because that would make me a traitor, contributing to the process of normalization. And it would make them not trust me any longer because my position would suddenly not be clear anymore. And now I've been back in Zurich for more than 13 months without hiding my keyboards a single time because nobody cares. But does that make it less relevant? Isn't my stress with my keyboards just a reflection of a deeply divided society? And thus the indifference I encounter here mean that in Switzerland there's no need for a discourse about such abysses? Or does it mean that we, and when I say we, I mean most people I share my life with, that we in contrast to people in other places can take the liberty of distancing ourselves? We can remain silent without feeling that we have left out something important. Because it doesn't directly concern us. If our political conviction is tied to our identity, who are we then? What if I want to declare my solidarity to people regarding things that do not directly concern me? Another thing that really impressed me was the way in which you learned these two languages, having these two keyboards and uh, yeah, speaking and practicing these two languages. How did you learn them and how did that develop? Like, what did you experience on the language level? 
the language learning actually started when I applied for university in Jerusalem. There I couldn't opt for courses that were in Arabic or Hebrew, but all the courses offered in my department were in Hebrew. And then I decided, okay, I'll learn Hebrew and went to a language school and it was really a lot of fun. And it was also, and also really helped me for my classes, even though I obviously needed a lot of help from my classmates. So I learned Hebrew for one semester. But after some time, I realized that I actually don't speak a single word of Arabic. And neither did the people around me. But nevertheless, I was hearing Arabic in the city every day. And I realized that for me, this could be solved on the language level, getting access. Because I realized that I would be excluded from certain things if I don't learn Arabic. And I understood that the people I was hanging out with till then couldn't kind of build this bridge for me into this other part of the city, so to speak. I would have to build it myself. So I would do it via the language. And so I spontaneously decided to learn Arabic. And I was even a bit late for the course and had to learn the alphabet by myself, which was really difficult. I feel that to this day that the foundation is not that great. But the interesting thing is also that actually Hebrew and Arabic are quite similar languages, which really helped me. But actually on the day I started learning Arabic, the dilemma began. In between dilemma. It's not even a political dilemma. It has nothing to do with that, even if you could read it as a statement. Because actually in the whole year, I didn't meet a single person who's not a language student, but still is learning both languages. So yeah, I felt a little bit like an eccentric, like a bird of paradise doing that. And sometimes there was also chaos in my head and I ended up using the wrong language in places or pronouncing something in the wrong way, which often led to a lot of distrust. 3rd of July, 2019. A couple of days ago, we went with a collective taxi to a relatively remote state park in a small Palestinian village. On the way back, I was chatting with the cab driver in Arabic till I accidentally mispronounced the word for olive. I pronounced it in a way that sounded Hebrew. From that moment on, the driver only spoke Hebrew to me. I didn't know what to do pretended not to understand anything that was quite difficult and I felt really stupid but in that moment no better idea came to my mind at some point because I felt overwhelmed I showed him my passport for him to see that I was no settler but a tourist after that it was fine Suddenly understanding Arabic and being able to communicate a bit really showed me a new city. It was like magic. Because wandering through the streets, it was suddenly like, oh, okay, here I can read bakery and there is that. It's like there's an alphabet which you previously understood to just be drawings essentially. And suddenly you can read things. The world kind of extended. The Arabic world extended for me. But I think that's also exactly why with the Arabic world getting bigger, the in-between got stronger as well. Because suddenly I understood that the people I go to university with don't know what is written there. They grew up in a city in Jerusalem, in which I've been since, I don't know, like five months. And I can understand things they don't. And I'm able to communicate with people with whom they cannot communicate. 
I mean, of course, they can communicate, but in a different way, because they're speaking Hebrew with them. It's not like the communication is not happening, but it's an experience that only I, as an outsider, am able to make. But especially because I'm taken for a foreigner, exceptional possibilities are open to me. I can travel around freely, welcomed by everybody. That is theoretically not possible for any person living here. But talking about the many lives I get a glimpse of, I rarely do to anyone. Since that often ends in distrust towards me. Because of that, I have two social lives. One speaks Arabic and the other one Hebrew. Some know about the others, but most don't. Because there is a wall in between, but mostly because some of them they don't want to. As usual, I'm of course interested in the in-between. I feel like I always felt kind of in between Switzerland or the place where I grew up and India, the new place where I went to basically. But with you, I have the feeling that there is another in-between. One in-between, maybe between Switzerland and Jerusalem. But within the city of Jerusalem itself, there seems to be a second kind of in-between. Exactly. I think there is this in-between between me having grown up in Switzerland and Jerusalem, a place to which I had no relation beforehand. And there is this in-between within the city itself. Jerusalem has in-between written all over itself, it seems, because there are so many people that live here, that have been living here and will be living here in the future out of so many religious, cultural and historical reasons. And at the same time, there obviously is this very clear divide. Till this day, it is politically contested whom the city belongs to, and all the time there's some new plans designed by different governments of how one could divide the city. That means the division or the word to divide is so present so that it actually lurks in every corner of the everyday. And actually, it's an interesting question to think what in-between means here. I don't really know. For me, there only seems to exist the side of the gap or the other one. I didn't get to know much in-between, to be honest. It also depends if one looks at in-between as something that is in-between, or if one looks at it as a person that is standing in-between. Taking up the later, I would say that, again, it's not such a political question. Because one can position oneself politically, but then in daily life not completely live according to that. Just because life is life and one is not always 100% consistent in the things one thinks and does. And I think that's exactly where the in-between comes in. That often, because I learned these two languages, for example, it was not clear to many people what I was doing here. And I got questioned all the time, what are you doing here? And when people realized that I'm not here out of religious reasons, they thought that then I must be here out of political reasons. And it was never really clear what I was doing here. And it was also not always completely clear for me, but I actually never thought this to be a problem because I suppose one can also just go to a place and see what happens. I think that the way in which I spent this year there also led to a lot of lonely moments, especially because I decided at one point that I wanted to get an insight into different things. 
and especially my travels over the checkpoints and back, the journey between these two worlds, so to speak, these travels were always very intense. And of course, they're very intense because there is so much military presence, but most of all, they were intense because they were very lonely. There were these moments when I reached the other side, feeling that this place has nothing to do with the place I've just been at 15 minutes before. And the people on the other side also don't know that I'm here now because I don't want to tell them out of various reasons. And that's why my friend circle was very divided and some didn't know about the existence of the others. There was a time in which I had a Palestinian boyfriend and when he realized that I'm living in West Jerusalem, in the Israeli part of the city, he was first really shocked. And whenever he came to my home, he really sneaked into the house and into my room and sneaked out on the next morning. And it was important to him not to meet my flatmates. And what shall I say, it was kind of strange. Not his attitude, but the whole situation. To know that one lives in a shared flat, having a really good relation with one's flatmates, the doors are always open, but then there is someone... And suddenly these borders that you feel so strongly within the city start to exist in your own house as well. And I accepted that. But at the same time, in certain moments, this made me really lonely as well. Because I understood that I can talk to people about certain things, but in the end, whom should I really confine these things to? Should I talk to people in Switzerland, to whom I feel close personally and who would look into these things from outside perspective with some distance? Or should I talk to people from one side or to people from the other side? But is it fair if I'm complaining and crying in front of them, knowing that they themselves were never allowed to cross such a checkpoint? Is it legitimate, after all, for me to allow my feelings to take up that much space? I think that... That is what my personal in-between was all about. That leads us to another topic we have been talking about before, this very special position of being one of the only ones to see into different lives. I feel like I can really understand and also kind of recognize this position because I also think I had similar possibilities in India to a certain extent that uh, being an outsider was an very extraordinary but also kind of lonely experience because I felt like a lot of people welcomed me into their lives so I could like look into a lot of lives like uh, I don't know hang out with people very political very left people from small villages uh, in my university but at the same time I could go and dance tango with in Delhi's elite <laughs> and uh, I feel like there were there were, of course, sections of society to which I had no access at all. But at the same time, I don't know, I felt like, especially because I'm an outsider and because I was difficult to place, more people welcomed me really warmly into their lives, which they probably wouldn't have done with other people. Or the, the prejudice would have been already too much on both sides, maybe to without preconceived notions to take another person or let another person come into one's life. So I, I felt very similar sometimes. So that the worlds I was able to be a part of were very strongly contrasting. Yeah, it was very extraordinary, but also very lonely at times because 
I sometimes felt that there was was so little space for my own emotions. Like, with whom should I talk about lives that are so different? Especially about like things that were like difficult to digest or with whom do I talk about this without telling other people too much about other people's lives with like circumventing these prejudice and yeah for me that was also a very or like something I found difficult sometimes where is space for my emotions and to whom do you talk I actually till the very end did never find a satisfactory solution of how to deal with this but in the end it was individuals it was friends I can find in And these are people from everywhere, people in Switzerland I contacted over the phone, my flatmates in Jerusalem, or other friends I made there. It was a handful, two to three people. They handled the emotional part really well. But to really unload everything, I actually never really dared to. I think I can very much understand this idea of not being able to offload certain emotional things or of it being difficult, because... Similarly, because I saw into different lives and I saw so many things, I a lot of times had the feeling like I, I need to talk to someone just to process things, to sort out my own emotions. And also, especially on days when I was kind of pissed about India, when I was like, oh my God, I don't want to live another day, for example, with these hierarchies. I just don't understand. I can't support and I find it so difficult. And uh, it's so difficult in these moments with whom do you share that these especially negative emotions about a place which is uh, the home of all your friends and there were certain people who were so important for me with whom I could share that sometimes that people who could put their national pride away for a moment and just listen and Also, I knew that it's just half an hour where I need to rent and I need to get everything off my chest, which is like so difficult or different for me. And afterwards, I'm again the India fangirl. But uh, these were really very valuable connections. Like these people who were really, yeah, where I could allow for such a breakdown to happen. I also think that I was really glad to have these few people who actually stood by me and during these moments or who, as, as you said, were able to put their pride away for a moment, even if I was basically offending their whole environment, just because right now I can't take it anymore. And it's actually funny that a lot of times I felt really uncomfortable in these situations. Well, the other person was like, okay, come on, just because you're insulting this, it's not like you're insulting me. It's not that bad, but for me it was bad because because I also wanted to be respectful, especially when I think in the end this is what it comes down to. I'm very privileged in this country and on this planet in general. And it was difficult for me to kind of detach the societal privilege from me as an individual. For example, it is very normal that I can feel sad at times too, but somehow I couldn't disconnect it. And I always thought like, If one is privileged, one shouldn't complain or shouldn't find things stupid. And when we're really talking about the topic of offloading things emotionally, there's always the question, okay, why do I not feel comfortable to do that? Okay, because of my privilege. Okay, what else would I like to do then? 
And I think I felt a certain need to intermediate between people there. Then I feel this urge that I would like to intermediate between these persons. The naive instinct, arguing that at the end of the day, we're all human and just want to live on good terms with each other. However, I never intermediate and I feel rather cowardly because I still can't decide with whom to definitely spend my time. Looking back, I wonder, is it maybe also respectful to not carry out one's own uncertainties on the backs of people that not necessarily all do stand for a political situation? In moments when I just couldn't stand it anymore, that the fronts were so hardened, I always felt this impulse to intermediate. And that was a similar moment, like the offloading moment. I always needed to double check, like, okay, why do I want to intermediate? I'm dealing with grown-up people here who have made their own experiences and have took up a position for themselves. And maybe you're very clear that they don't want to have anything to do with a certain group of people in their society. And even if I can't comprehend all their arguments, I still have to accept it. And it was always so difficult to reflect that if I really want to intermediate and bring the two parties to one table, who benefits from that? I mean, am I taking people seriously if I do that? Or do I just want to do it to give myself the feeling that I also had a kind of an impact because I feel so helpless? So I always decided not to intermediate and looking back, I think that was a good decision because for me, it was the most respectful thing to do in that moment. But it was also a pity because somehow one thing's... It has to be possible, all people together and so on. Actually, I remember one evening... We're in, in a room in Jerusalem. There's so many different people together. It was Christmas and there were people from East Jerusalem, from West Jerusalem, from anywhere, all together in this one room. And it was such a magical atmosphere. Because everyone was conscious. This is a very special moment. It was also not just easy. There were also moments when there were some guys and they, they couldn't believe it. They were like, what is this? We're we're all together in this one room and somehow it feels cool, like, okay. And this evening was really inspiring, but still I realized that this is not my role to intermediate in this context. And also it's not like there were only hardened fronts. There are also groups and organizations that specifically care about a kind of togetherness, striving for peace, so to say. And that's why it's so important to me to say that it's actually... It's not a political question if I intermediate or not in that moment. What I've just spoken about is really more the individual feeling or my realization that in this context of approaching and coming together and there's no place for me and there's also no place intended for me and that is totally fine. And in this participative piece there was this one song at the end which uh, my friend had written which I really loved and which I found very touching and I wanted to ask again how did that song actually come about? In summer when my exchange year was almost coming to an end and I was teaching in a music workshop in Bethlehem 
I was there for a couple of weeks and we had one day off and I, we wanted to go hiking. However, I didn't have my hiking shoes with me and I thought, okay, I'll go back to Jerusalem to get them. With that school in Bethlehem, there was a clear agreement that I wouldn't mention anything about my living in Jerusalem or did I have any connections to a university that could be Israeli because that environment there was, was very sensible. That means I, I really made an effort all these weeks with the kids to never utter a single word that could prompt the suspicion that after all I had anything to do with Israel. So I wanted to get my hiking boots and said, okay, well, so I will get them in Jerusalem and come back. And then it started. Okay, what are you doing in Jerusalem? You live in Jerusalem? So where do you live in Jerusalem? In East or West Jerusalem? What kind of a visa do you have? If you have already been there for a year and so on. And I got enmeshed in all of these half-truths because I had already known these people way too long for it not to be weird that I hadn't told them. It was really the wrong and definitely too late moment to tell them about my story, basically. And yeah, I went back to Jerusalem, reached my flat. Nobody else was home. And I realized that I just came here to get my hiking shoes and go back while other people spend their whole life streaming to go to Jerusalem and just can't pass the border, which I can pass in an hour because it's only a few kilometers between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And yeah, and I had the feeling that actually right now I just shouldn't be anywhere. I didn't want to go back, but I didn't want to be here either. And it was always these questions that everybody kept asking me. And I was in this room all alone after such a long time. And I was like, okay, I'm here and there's no one right now asking me something. And in my room, there was an accordion and I started to write the song and it was soon clear what the song would be about. And a point for me were all these questions, always already suggesting something, already expecting a certain answer or position. For example, when people ask me, where are you from? What are you doing here? On which side are you? And it is about this pressure that I felt to satisfy people all the time. And after we talked about how this song came about, my friend actually offered to play the song again for us or for me uh, with the most rudimentary means so without good boxes or instruments like not like with the top equipment she had available when she uh, staged her piece but uh, with very rudimentary means and of course I was very excited to hear the song again and that song also marks the end of this episode so You will find the whole song now playing and it's in Swiss German. It's a beautiful song, like the text is really beautiful. It's about what my friend just described, like these constant questions of who are you, what are you doing here, on which side are you on, but also this kind of feeling lost, feeling lonely, being in between in a way and thinking about everything we've just been talking about, about intermediating and uh, many more things. You'll see there are some sound effects in the song as well and I always get goosebumps whenever I listen to it again and especially at the moment when we recorded it, it was just the two of us sitting in her room and we turned the lights off and 
we were both like sitting in the dark and then she just started to play and sing the song and it was just so raw and so intimate so once more it really touched me and I hope you feel the same about it. Nur weit 
weitere Hoffnung kreiert. Eine Hoffnung, wo Menschen daran sterben. Die Welt tritt in die Flusschen und die Zeit wird zur Macht, während weiter diskutiert wird, bauen es da Welche Hand leist, in welches Feuer? 